If you're an average player, you want to be left alone, right? Because you want to be able to slide by. If you're a good player, you want to be coached. If you're a great player, you want the coach to tell you the truth every day. Did I hustle on that play? Did I make the right read? Did I play the guy with the right leverage? You want to know every play. Because you know why? They want to be perfect. Everybody here makes a choice to do one of those three things. Welcome to the GOAT Consulting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to people striving to be a GOAT, the greatest of all time, serving it up in a way that you can get it in all stages of life. Hey, I'm Colby Jubinville, and welcome to another episode of the GOAT Consulting Podcast right here in Nashville, Tennessee, in studio at VC Productions. Nailed it. I nailed it. At the table today, as always, my good friend, Tyler Burnett. Tyler is the founder, the CEO, and the guy that came up with the GOAT, the greatest of all time. Tyler, we're so glad that you took the Sprinter, came into, into the big city today from the I bubble of Murfreesboro. Long, Proud of that. Well, you know, start at 10 versus uh, 6, and you get there, right? That's right. John Byers is here. We call him the LinkedIn Whisperer. He's the calming force to our show. We're so excited that you came in today. You got a shirt that says "Never Settle." That's wore this for our guest. Sort of the theme for today: Never yes. Settle. <laughs> Uh, we got a great guest for you today. Before we jump into that, let's just go ahead and set the stage. We, we are the Goat Consulting Podcast. We serve it up in a way you can get it, just like Waffle House. We serve it up in a way that you can get it. In our twenties, they teach us to get in the game. In our thirties, they teach us to move up in the game. In our forties, you try to stay in the game because people like Tyler in the thirties are so damn good. In our fifties, what the research says, we finally ask ourselves, "What is it that you really want?" And we hope you ask yourself as you go through and listen to the guests today and the topic today, we're a car ride to work and a car ride home. We pack it up so that you can get it, unpack it where you live and work in business and life and relationships. But it's about the GOAT, the greatest of all time. In sports, it's easy to see. In sports, it's the people like Sally. They're recognized for their greatness. But in business, it's people that compete on unique perspective, education and experience. What they do gives them energy. And it gives other people energy, creating new levels of challenge and new levels of opportunity. Today, we welcome to the show Sally McRae. Sally is a Nike-endorsed professional ultra-marathon runner, recently winning the toughest foot race on the planet, Badwater 135. She even pronounces her own last name in her own way, and she's a mom. (laughs) And John is continuing his fetish with uh, extreme sports. Yes. By bringing in guests like Sally. And Sally, we're, we're glad you're here with us, and we appreciate you taking time out of your crazy day that is managed by your husband to be here with us at the table. So thank you. Thank you for being here. You've already pissed thank her off so probably by saying you, that her husband manages her day. I think that's-, <laughs> that's what she said. I didn't say that. She said, and I quote, he manages my crazy life. And you said... I'm assuming that's your husband, and you shouldn't have said that. So there. I love Sally has been laughing the whole time. And <laughs> well, even during the introduction. I know. It's fantastic. Well, when you win the, the, the toughest foot race on planet Earth called Badwater 135, I mean. Everything else in life is easy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Sally, I'm welcome. you take it from here. I'm going to get some coffee. <laughs> Sally, we're so glad to have you. Thank you for joining. Oh my goodness. You guys have just been entertaining me for the first five minutes here. It's been fantastic. Thank you for helping me wake up this morning. I got my cup of coffee, actually. Well, you're uh, a couple you hours behind us. And uh, I am. Ha- have you have you logged any miles yet today? You know, I was going to head out, but I decided to make some uh, breakfast for the fam and do emails knowing that I was going to chat with you guys. I was like, do I want to sit in my sweat and podcast? I'll do it after. So <laughs> usually I do some some morning miles, but uh, 
uh, my daughter, I have a daughter in high school and uh, a couple days a week she goes to school. She, she has a class starts at 7 a.m. So on, on those mornings, just because I know she's on her way out of the house, it's, it's kind of crazy how our seasons shift, even our training shifts based on our children, right? Um, oh, you yeah. know, on those mornings, I like to just be home and sit and chat with her and make her a big breakfast and, uh, yeah, savor any time that I can get with her. So that's very yeah, cool. No morning miles. And <laughs> you're, you are joining us from Huntington beach. What is the weather like there today? You know what? The weather is always sunny here in, in Cirque City, USA. That's a- it's kind of like here in Nashville. We're working on ni- 19 inches of snow in the last two weeks here. Yeah, it's nothing like Nashville. It's the snowiest Nashville has ever had to start a year, ever. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. I'm ready for it to go away. The place has been crazy. But the Titans are playing this weekend, so tighten up. I heard, I heard that. So, and I see, Sally, I see people running, and I was telling somebody this yesterday, I see people running out, and it's icy, and I just, I I enjoy running uh, in extreme weathers, but when there's ice on the road, like, that just doesn't connect for me. It terrifies me, actually. (laughs) Yeah, same. I'm not, I'm not a big ice fan. I'm very grateful for the access to the treadmill that I have, so usually when it's icy, there's not a lot of quality uh, running that gets in, because I don't want to rip a hamstring <laughs> so. what kind of treadmill do you have sally hey that's an important question i'm in the treadmill market right now <laughs> yeah because i mean sally just has, well, I mean, has why a would you, sponsorship opportunity why would you listen to somebody like me who's ran like a half a mile in the last three years this segment brought to you by nordic track okay there you go <laughs> But I am a I am a trainer for them. I am one of their iFit trainers, so that's how I got that trend. Ah, awesome, very cool. awesome. And if you had prepped for the show, Tyler, you would have known that. <laughs> well, uh, Sally, we we are like I said, thrilled. We're going to have a good time over the next few minutes together. Um, we need to at least just acknowledge our good partners, Dev Digital. Yeah, they. I was going to start there, but yes, absolutely. <laughs> they they are friends of our show. They run everything in Nashville from a digital perspective. If yes. you want to convert uh, anything from a business to a digital platform. Check yeah. out our friends at Dev Digital. Well, I mean, the, the first thing I think about is Dev Digital never settles either. Yeah, you know? That's true. They don't. What they do is top of the line no matter what. And they give the, the world energy. Yes. Just like Sally, just like you and Tyler. So thanks to our friends at Dev. And, <laughs> and Sally, uh, I do wear a shirt, unique shirt, to almost every episode. And this one's to honor you, uh, which we'll get into this. But it says never settle. <laughs> Uh, which I just reminds it. me of your story uh, between certainly between 2018 and 2020. So we'll we'll unpack that. But before we do, would love for you to kind of catch us up on today. Like, how did you get to today in <laughs> life, family, sport, business, everything? <clears throat> Fill in the blank, defining moments along the way. Capture that in a few minutes. Uh, where would you take us to to lead us here? Yeah, I mean, I always attribute any anything. <laughs> anything good in my life uh, because of the grace of God. I mean, I, it's been a really long journey and one that I, um, I'll tell you from the time I was a teenager, probably that was a really pivotal point in my life for me. But from the time I was a teenager to now, I mean, I I just could have never imagined in my mind uh, that I would be where I am today, you know, being a professional athlete, Mm -hmm. a mom of two kids, running my own business and doing a lot of things that, um, I could only dream about in my mind, but, um, 
but the short, the really quick condensed version of that is just, you know, I grew up in a big family in SoCal and always had a dream of being a professional athlete and through a series of just, but it wasn't running. Uh, pretty, <clears throat> no, it wasn't running. I was a soccer player. Yeah. I, uh, I grew up in the years of, uh, of, you know, Brandy Chastain ripping her soccer Jersey off and showing oh, yeah. those amazing abs that in the world cup. And I just thought women, uh, women's soccer is where it is at. Like I want to be on mm-hmm. TV doing that. Um, and I really loved soccer and my, I looked up to my brother who's five years older than me and he was an amazing player and I, I wanted to be like him. And, um, I even cut my hair really short, like him and wore boys clothes all the time. Cause I cut that if I could just be like him <laughs> and I, I can make it really far. Yeah. Um, but you know, growing up as, as a kid, I didn't have maybe the, um, I, I don't know. I, I don't even know what, what would be a, a common growing up, uh, family as far as like the community right. that I, that I grew up in. We don't, um, we don't like know. the word normal here. So just carry yeah. on. You'll figure out. I don't right even in. know what normal means anymore. That's right. But, um, but yeah, you know, I grew up in kind of a, a rough home and, um, my mom got sick really young. We didn't have health insurance growing up, so we never went to the doctor. So she ended up dying when she was 43 and I was 17. And, and really that was a, a really big turning point in my life. So at that time I was working towards these dreams and making really good leaps and bounds and had colleges coming after me and sending me letters. And, you know, I, I was, you know, on my way. And, um, at that time, even at 17, I, I really learned what it was to work hard mm. and, um, you know, in, in one part, it was because, you know, we were always told growing up, you know, we don't have a lot of money. I was very aware of finances in our home. Um, I was always aware of what I didn't have in comparison to other people. And so, you know, at 17, I was already working two jobs and, um, you know, I'd, I'd close up the coffee house at night and go train in the gym is my, my second training. I just, I really wanted to achieve the things that I had in my mind, but where did that come know, from, <clears throat> by the way, like that, that I, I've got a 16 year old, you've got probably a, a daughter that's <laughs> yeah, close to that age. She's, if she's in high school. Yeah. Yeah. I she's mean, about to turn 16 too. So I, I'm right there with you. Mm-hmm. But, and, and I'm, my son is an incredible athlete and mm. I'm not sure his work ethic has caught up to his talent yet. Which we may <laughs> have an episode on that later. Um, yeah, but, uh, that's pretty but common. For you to do what you did uh, and to, to, to have two jobs, spend time training, like where did that, that desire to get to the next level come from for you? Well, I, I, do, I, I do understand that, um, you know, part of it was – was in my mind a it was my only way out so I grew up in a home that was was pretty uh my mom was very loving and encouraging but my dad was pretty violent and Mm. I was the middle child so I was um you know middle of five kids and I just couldn't there, there was no way I could ever please him or make him happy and I you you name the award or accolade I I got it Spelling bean champ, class president, honor roll mm. student, winner of a talent show. I mean, I did everything uh, that I possibly could just to prove myself. So I think part of it was that. Part mm. of it was was this great deep need to want to be seen and, and to be loved. Um, and I think losing my mom at such a young age, like going through, um, 
such hardship that was very isolating. I mean, I, I didn't have friends that worked, you know, I, girls didn't, didn't work two jobs and train the way I did. Like that was very isolating for me, but in my mind, um, in starting, I think when I was in elementary school, I would tell my mom, like, I want to go to the Olympics. Like I want to be a professional athlete. And I just had this like deep drive in me. And I, I had on one, on one shoulder, someone saying that I just was not good enough, that I was junk and, wow. you know, wasn't going to amount to anything. And then someone that w- that always said, I, I really believe you can do anything. And so I, I really struggled with the finding that balance of what to believe and what to, um, you know, really to how to really see myself. And so, um, but then also my parents were hard workers. I think that, you know, if they're even within all the, the hardship and the pain and in my home, I, there was a lot of good that, that came out of the struggle. And I learned that if you want anything, it's never this idea of hard work pays off, you know, however you want to say it, that will never go away. Um, I, I really believe that as humans, we were made to create, we were made to work. We are, we're supposed to put our hand to the plow because that's where great things happen. That will never change as much as we, I don't care how far in advanced technology gets, but when you put your hand to the plow and you put in that work, it's both rewarding. It encourages you to keep going. Totally um, agree. It, and, and so I, I really understood that, you know, my dad was a hustler. Um, so is my mom. And, and that was the home that I grew up in. So you, I watched that and, um, you and that this, kind of, mm-hmm. you had this moment, <clears throat> Sally, where you, mm-hmm. I read about, where um, you you made a choice, and and correct me here, uh, but mm-hmm. you made a choice to not pursue right after high school. Uh, you you uh, took a pause from school, quit school. I mean, you stopped pursuing that to be able to take care of your family and almost maybe fill a role that your mom was playing after she <clears throat> passed when you were seventeen. Until somebody said, "Hey, like," and and this totally speaks to what you just shared about your mom. This is not what your mom would have wanted, and kind of helped wake mm-hmm. you up to there is more out there for you. Can you talk about mm-hmm. that moment? Yeah. So <clears throat> it was the end of my junior year in high school. And, um, you know, so that was, uh, that, that's a really important year. I think for athletes that are wanting to go and play in college, like, you know, your junior senior year is like huge. Like kids are, it's when they're really starting to get noticed and communicating and, um, that's when a lot of people are making decisions. And, and so for me, I had decided I quit my club team. I was in a really great soccer club team. I quit the club team and I was, I had decided to get my GED, which is just, you know, you can take your general education diploma test, and then you can stop going to high school. And so that's what I had decided to do. I was like, I'm going to take care of my siblings and things were pretty intense at home. And so I was always really worried about them. Um, And just, I was just worried about about a lot of things going on in my life. My dad also had six weeks after my mom died, had gotten this massive, very rare brain tumor. Um, So he was incredibly sick as well. So in my mind, it was a choice out of deep bitterness. Like I had a lot of bitterness because in my heart, what I felt like was like, I'm, I'm so good. 
Like I've, I've worked so hard. I don't do drugs. Like I'm not promiscuous. I've, I've, I'm not drinking. I get straight A's. Like I'm a good, I'm a good daughter. I'm a good sister. Like I'm working two jobs and this is what I get. Hmm. Like I get my mom taken away from me and I'm left with an abusive dad. And I just was so angry about that. And I was like, why, why even go after my dreams? I worked so hard all these years and now it's, everything is being taken away from me. I have no support and I just feel like I'm drowning. And so that's where I had made that decision. I didn't go through with it because of this, this family friend, this family friend was like, that is like the most devastating thing that, that you could do. And she literally took me by the hand to just local uh, universities, which all of them, I was like, I, I've never even heard of these schools. Like, why would I want to play here? And I was really cynical and just um, pretty negative about it. But when I walked on to the campus at Biola University, um, the coach there was like, hey, you know, some of us, we, we know who you are. And there's girls on our team that are willing to give up part of their scholarship if, if you'll come and play for us. And I just thought that moment was very pivotal for me because I thought, who does that? I mean, <laughs> who yeah. gives up what they work so hard for so to give to money to a, uh, essentially a, a stranger? This and is, um, <clears throat> it's such a well, such a fascinating, incredible <laughs> story. And and I want to connect mm-hmm. the dot with one other quote that you read. Yeah. And and to hear you share about it, it makes so much sense because. I'm not sure there's a time in our life where our, I, we feel like our identity is being formed more so than when we're right at that 17 year, year old. Oh, totally. And you, you <laughs> said something uh, that I read that, that marked me. And it's, mm-hmm. you said, I loved how soccer, uh, which I thought was a part of my identity, but was just a tool to something greater, which was being able to communicate mm-hmm. with people. And as you talked about mm-hmm. what you just shared, that whole time in your life, I can connect mm-hmm. back to that, right? Where you thought this, these things, your mom, and, and certainly in some ways that was becoming a part of your identity, but what it was telling you about yourself and that, you know, I had trained for all of this and these, you know, why did bad, the, the age old question, right? I mean, why did bad things happen mm-hmm. to good people? I mean, those kinds yes. of things felt <laughs> like it was shaping you when it was really a tool for something greater, some unmature, immature version of what would come. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that is, you know, when I started going to bio and I, and I did start playing soccer there, my heart was in a completely different place when it came to soccer. I mean, it, I didn't have the same, I did definitely did not have the same passion or zeal. Um, you know, when I played, I was, I was pretty good. I helped lead the team to, um, into a, a playoff that they had never done in, in, in school history. I was their top scorer on the team, but I, in my heart, I, the, the dreams that I had had for myself as, as an athlete totally died. And I, I was left, you know, especially that first year, I was sad. I mean, I was crying all the time. And at this point, my sisters had been taken away from my dad. They were put in wow. foster care. And uh, um, there's the it, connection to your, your heart yeah, with foster care. Very yeah. Cool. So I, I think at that point, um, I started traveling. So like in the summers, I didn't want to go home and live with I didn't want to be at home. So I tried everything I could to not be at home. I didn't want to be around my dad. So I worked like 60 hours a week. And then if I wasn't working, then I was, I would raise money to go on these missions trips. And so my first year I went to Ukraine and I lived in an orphanage and I, that essentially 
it, it changed my whole life because from the time I was little, like Annie was my favorite movie. If you guys are familiar with Annie, it's oh, yeah. about a little girl that lives in an orphanage. Of but course. for whatever reason, when I was really little, I was so fascinated with this idea that children are forgotten, that children aren't in homes and that they are sad and left to kind of fend for themselves. And they're not really seen, they're not really known, and they're very independent. And um, so many things that we just don't understand about orphanages and foster care, what that life is like. But I was so drawn to that. And my mom had a really big heart for people that are forgotten. And so and they need that a voice. kind of transferred over. They yeah, need a voice. It, exactly. So when I left in that first year, so now I had been like a year and a half since my mom had died. I was really lost. Like I, I, I knew I'd spent my whole life as an athlete. That's what I was known for. That was where my dreams were going. I didn't really, even in college, I was like, I'm not really sure what I'm majoring in. Like my life is so broken. Not, I didn't have any girlfriends that related to me. Like nobody came from the home that I was from. And most people didn't know my whole story. Like I didn't want to share it with them because it's you vulnerable. open up a textbook, yep. you know, people with my story, it's like, Oh dude, like they're jacked up or like you want to walk in eggshells around that person or like, and I just didn't want to be put in a box. I, mm -hmm. I really pushed against that. But when I traveled to Ukraine, I remember when the kids would go down for their nap time, I would just go out and run. And I'd run around the city. And I remember at one point I stopped and there was a, a soccer game going on in the city. And it was just a pickup game. And I jumped into it. And I realized like how powerful it was. Like I didn't know much Ukrainian. I knew little words and phrases here and there. But like I was able to communicate with people through soccer and then so then what happened was every year after that I always went on trips and the trips at some to some degrees always involved soccer and I realized that sport as much as as people are fanatical about sport baseball football all of that I realized that it is it's a very powerful uh, connecting point for humans because mm -hmm. you know you get into a stadium with people and you're sitting with people on your team suddenly they're all your friends and if your team scores like everyone's hugging each other and they're just like buddies talking about the game and it's like you have this very interesting unique way to get into somebody's mm -hmm. to look into somebody's eyes and have a conversation and so that for those four years in college my view of sports completely changed and my passion and, and this motivation that I had had to be a professional athlete totally um, faded away. And so, you know, after I graduated from, from college um, and I'll kind of like pause there, that, that is, you know, a lot of transitions just took place in, in my heart, really. Well, we're going to, we're going to unpack that even more. And, and certainly <laughs> as you shared that last part, it made me think Ted Lasso has really helped us all right. Uh, connect with sports in a very special <laughs> I love way. Ted Lasso. And uh, he was yeah. a recent, he was a recent goat that was, we shared. In fact, and so goat. maybe that, that takes us to, um, would love <laughs> one of the ways that we honor our guests, Sally, is mm -hmm. we ask them to define, uh, give us their definition of a goat. So maybe you can do that for us and then, and then share who your goat person, place, thing. Maybe it's a moment. We've mm -hmm. had those on the show before, but, uh, but define a define goat for us and then share, share yours, please. Yeah. You know, I think goat is, is a pretty powerful term and, you know, we see it a lot, especially in social media. People even use that little goat emoji, right? Oh, yeah. Um, and I, I do a lot of public speaking and recently I was, uh, I was waiting to be introduced. So the, the, uh, host was, was 
you know, on the microphone and he was going through introductions about me. And, and one of the last things he said was, you know, this is the goat Sally McRae. And I, wow. for whatever reason, it just did not, it didn't sit right with me. And I, I thought about that for a minute as I was walking up and I just, <clears throat> and I actually tied it in to, um, into my entire talk. And uh, I ended the talk by saying, you know, we don't need to be the greatest of all time, but you need to be great at who you are. And Mm -hmm. I think that that is one of the most, um, one of the hardest things for for humans is to look in the mirror and and see the greatness that is is in them Mm -hmm. and to realize that, um, you know, you don't need a a, a million followers. You don't need to have... um, 20 medals or you don't need to be an Olympian or have your own record deal to be great. You're great because you're walking on this planet. Mm. And that is just such a a gift. And I think that when we see that, um, you know, there is, there is purpose for every life. When we understand that we are all made in, in such a unique way with very unique gifts and very specific stories, because they're all part of this big puzzle puzzle piece and um you know one of the things i had said in that talk was like i I love traveling especially to europe and going to those big beautiful churches you know the ones that sit up on hills with you know the the gorgeous um you know uh uh uh, glass windows Mm -hmm. and um what are those glass windows called and i'm I'm totally for for uh forgetting it right now um but the broken glass put together (laughs) so i was i was just saying how you know all of us oh stained glass um stained glass windows so stained glass windows i think is just such a beautiful metaphor to a goat i think that when we understand that we are part of a bigger picture when we're part of something beautiful and that um we all have a peace and a place and when light shines through that it's just it's amazing and when a stained glass window is missing a piece it, it stands out you really see that but when it's it's put together and light hits it, it's just the most beautiful thing. And so, um, you know, for me, being a goat is uh, is really just being the best at who I am. Mm. Putting my hand to the plow each day and staying focused on my one unique goal because no one else can be me and no one else can fulfill what I'm supposed to fulfill. And I think that's pretty great. That is special. So. My, my <laughs> four-year-old daughter the other day asked me uh, if my heart was broken. <laughs> And I said, oh. I said, no. And she said, well, how is my love going to get in? <laughs> oh, my God. That's what she said. I who says, who I says don't that? Know. I don't okay, know. That is, that, is just, that is just a grand message. I mean, that's, that's, that's a that re- right It right reminded like me of the broken glass stained window, right? It's so much beautiful yeah. after it's, it's a chil- broken. It's a children's book. It's amazing. It is. Right it there. is. That is right there. When my son was three, he was sitting on the counter. I was trying to put a Band-Aid on the a scraped knee and he's like mom you can't you can't cover that up and I was like why not we need to put a band-aid he's like can't you can't cover it up or or else or else God can't heal it love it and I was like oh wow that is real that's super powerful I started like tearing up like right then and there I was like isn't that what all every like adult does though we cover it all up that's right out of the mouth of babes (laughs) all right Sally so here's your shot you get to we share a goat every episode you have the honors today who is your goat? You know, it's mine's pretty simple. Not a lot of people know her, but my goat is definitely my mom. Mm. Um, she's a wonderful woman, Diane Francis. Uh, I she has been a source of of strength to me at many many points in my life. So, yeah. <laughs> well, awesome. here's to Diane. 
Well, thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> well, the, the thing we yeah. know about Diane is that, that she did three things for you. Um, she, mm-hmm. she made you the middle child. She taught you how to put, the, <laughs> put your hand on the plow. And she taught you how to work. And, and to me, mm-hmm. when, when I listen, what a, what a great way to explain to everyone else what it means to be a goat, to put your hand on the plow and go to work every day. Mm-hmm. We're going to put a pause right there and uh, and pick it right back up here in just a second. There's so much to unpack in, um, in the second episode with Sally and, um, and Tyler, who is here with us today. And John, I'm Colby Jupinville, and this is the Goat Consulting Podcast. Boom. Oh.